Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael and Pastor Shane to talk about our new series in the book of Philippians. Well, hey, welcome to Walk in Truth Radio and Podcast. My name is Shane Lance. I'm one of the pastors here at Living Truth, and I have the pleasure of sitting again in the studio with Pastor Michael Lance. And we have just wrapped up the book of Isaiah. If you've been tracking with us, we just talked about that yesterday. Since uh, last December, uh, we've now finished the long book of Isaiah. So much good application we talked about in the last episode, just so many um, areas where we can grow and learn from uh, our teachings in Isaiah. And we have now moved to a new book in We Are Studying Philippians, uh, one of my favorite New Testament letters from Paul, and um, just writing to a church that is uh, a lot like the churches we see today. There's good things, there's bad things, there's area f- areas for improvement. And um, we have called this series, which is just our verse-by-verse study in Philippians, uh, The Attitude of Christ. And there's so much encouragement and exhortation that comes from Paul in these writings. And so, you know, um, as we get into this study, and you're going to start hearing these studies in Philippians, Pastor Michael, why why Philippians? Why did we decide to go there? Well, you know, Pastor Shane, we just aired the book of Isaiah, a pretty heavy prophetic book, um, obviously ending on a wonderful, hopeful note. But I, I sensed, and I think that the the rest of the pastors did here too, that we needed perhaps to move to a book that was a little bit more um, joyful and hopeful. Not yeah. that Isaiah isn't, but it, this is more of a short, right to the point. And, uh, different it, tone. It, a, a different tone, but it's a book largely about uh, the kind of attitude that we should have, the kind of mindset that we should have as we walk with Christ. Now, it's not a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of book. It's reliant upon the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, that's the big theme, but there's so much more. For example, Philippians is a book about joy. It's a book about a man who has joy from jail, <laughs> a, right. a man who's, you know, in imprisoned and writes to a church to encourage them instead of them encouraging him, which they did by their offerings and so forth. They loved him. But it's an example of a man who lives so much with kingdom priorities that his circumstances have not determined his joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a he's a man who loves the church. This is the Apostle Paul. Philippians tells us, for example, in the opening chapter, the one who began the good work will complete it. We have the idea of, um, you know, just in chapter two, the example of Christ. We have that God is working in us and we're to work out what he's working in us. So right. many incredible things. You know, we're, we're about to teach on Sunday morning, Pastor Shane, about how to, how to not be anxious to be. Mm. We've entitled the sermon, be anxious for nothing. Someone out there's like, well, well, how do you do that? Well, we're going to dive into Philippians and and see how we can overcome anxiety. You want to talk about something relevant? <laughs> how many ang- anxious people, depressed people, suicide rates, just coming off COVID? You know, we felt like an epistle of joy, something like this, it will give us both a challenge to how we walk, but hope that we can overcome some of the common 
you know, human dilemmas is all in Philippians. Right. Uh, so much application in this book and just so many areas where we can apply it to our own life and say, man, I, I need to be anxious for nothing. You know, Matthew, uh, in Matthew, Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount that who by worrying is going yes. to add a single moment to their life, you know. Um, there's just this picture that Jesus is trying, you know, I think sometimes we, we certainly know that um, anxiety and depression and even mental illness, as we've categorized it in our, our modern culture, is at probably an all-time high. I think that's a very safe thing to say. However, there is nothing new under the sun in the sense that people were overcome by anxiety and fear and worry and depression and self-worth and struggling with suicidal thoughts. Those are things that were, were just as prevalent in the time that this book was written. Yes. And so it is crazy when you think about the context of this scripture, you have Paul who has already been through a lot and suffered much for the the sake of Jesus Christ's kingdom, who is now imprisoned and is writing to a church who is not imprisoned and is saying, hey, you need to continue to, you know, fight the good fight as he writes to Timothy. And uh, this idea, he's saying, man, you guys need to stay uh, strong in the faith. Let your joy be in Christ, a verse that many know well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the context to that verse is is key, right? Um, we love to apply that to sports teams and mm-hmm. big moments in our life. I can do this job interview through Christ who gives me strength. And yeah, you can. Uh, but the context of that verse is a man who is writing in chains and is saying, I've learned how to be content in, yes. in plenty. As we know, Paul, who was Saul, was wealthy, born into a wealthy family, had the, he was the cream of the crop. He had high education, studied under some of the greatest uh, educators of his time. And then he has, now you fast forward to where Saul came from, and now he is sitting in chains and he's saying, look, I've had a lot and I've had nothing, and I've learned to be content in all of these mm-hmm. things because I have learned that my strength comes from Christ. That's the context. And he there. has learned something he calls the secret of right. contentment. And it is a secret to many people, right? I mean, to be content as an American today seems like it's such a difficult stretch, uh, even though we have more than I think maybe any historic culture has ever had at our fingertips, mm-hmm. and yet we're not content. What's wrong? Well, it tells us that contentment is not found in stuff or geographic location or whatever. It's found, and we go back to nothing new under the sun. It's found in the same old truth, beautiful truth. You got to know God to be content. Right. And Paul had learned the secret even from prison. And something else alone, right? In Christ alone. And, And here's the other thing, Pastor Shane, I was thinking of. In this book, in Philippians 2, we have some of the most incredible Christology that is in the New Testament about Jesus being God, not regarding equality with God a thing to be grasped. And there, there's, a, there's a hint in there about contentment. And here's what it is. When your focus is on the glory of God and the good of others, you're going to find contentment in your life. It's when we get so consumed with self and what we have and how people think about us that we lose our way. And so even in the most rich theological uh, section that I could, I've ever come across in the new Testament, Philippians two, you know, about five through 11, the hint of the application is you're going to find more and more contentment as you keep your eyes on God and on others. Right. 
I've heard it said in America, we buy homes that have rooms specifically to park our cars and we can't park our cars in them because they're so full of our stuff. <laughs> Are you then, talking about my garage right and now? <laughs> then, and then we purchase a shed so that we can put more stuff in that shed. And, um, you know, I've heard Dave Ramsey in regards to financial advisement has said we go into, you know, thousands of dollars of debt to drive a car to impress a person next to us at a stoplight that we'll never know. Yes. And we we definitely have to fight against the temptation to try to find fulfillment and satisfaction and a lasting, um, you know, quench for our thirst in other things. And I think of, not in Philippians, but I think of Jesus when he meets the woman at the well and he says, you will drink of this water and you will thirst again. And again. And again and again. And again. But and the again. water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. And and it's just so applicable for us as Americans. We we live in a culture that says you always need more, 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 more. And friend, you will find as you pursue this. Maybe you are somebody that's driving the fancy schmancy car right now. And you are thousands of dollars in debt because you are so concerned about what people will think about you and meeting a status and um, looking a certain way you'll never be satisfied in those things. And so mm. I'm not saying you need to sell your car today, although if it's a good financial move for you, maybe <laughs> you should sell your car today. It's a good time to sell a car. But So as we're looking at the book of Philippians, we're talking about this idea of being content, um, which is really a huge a theme in the book, being anxious for nothing, which I think our lack of contentment plays into our anxiety. I think that's yes. a, a big thing. Yes. Um, when we don't know how to be content, we feel anxious, and it's just this vicious cycle. Um, can you give us a little bit of maybe background on the book of Philippians? You know, so we just have kind of hit on some things. We know Paul's in prison as he's writing this. Yes. He's writing to the church in Philippi. Yes. Um, what's some other things that might be worth noting? Well, Philippi was a Roman colony, and we're gonna we'll touch on this as we do the opening introduction of the book. But um, it's a very famous chapter in the book of Acts where Paul goes to Philippi, and he there's three stories of transformation: Lydia at a prayer meeting by the riverside, right. Uh, a servant girl who's demon possessed and gets delivered uh, by the Apostle Paul through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the Philippian jailer's famous conversion. What must I do to be saved? And those were members of the church at Philippi who probably met in Lydia's house. They were a, a house church, no church buildings back in the day. And, uh, you know, the they were a, a church that started off small and was pretty much, you know, just like us. They were new converts. They had an incredible uh, founder, the Apostle Paul. And uh, they lived in a culture where, you know, there was a lot of Roman influence, a lot of, um, you know, uh, idolatry, you could say, a, you know, a panoply of different gods and goddesses that you needed to appease. And in addition to that, something that we may not think much about, the threat of false teaching. Uh, beware of the dogs, Philippians 3, 1. Beware of the false teachers, the right. false circumcision, trying to tell you that you, you, you're not right with God unless you keep these food laws, unless you get circumcised, and dot, dot, dot. And, you know, uh, Pastor Shane, the, it, not much has changed. Some no, of, the, no. some of the, the things we try to elevate to essentials, um, you know, they're different today perhaps, but – it's the same old, same old. It's right. cultural stuff. And even for the Jewish people, you know, covenant stuff, but didn't really apply to Gentile believers. So 
Um, that's also there in the book of Philippians. But you talked about the backdrop. It's really the Apostle Paul on mission uh, and plants a church, and that's what gets going the Philippian congregation. Right. And we know that you know there is, again, so much stuff that we can learn from in this book, so much uh, application because— we are all tempted to uh, try to find, you know, our fulfillment and our uh, even our identity in other things outside of Christ. I- idolatry came up a lot in the book of Isaiah that we just completed, and um, the same struggles are going to be here. And this is now a New Testament book. We're, you know, maybe a thousand years or so or more ahead now. Um, how far ahead are we now in the timeline biblically? Well, probably a good eight hundred years. Okay, yeah, about a thousand eight hundred to a thousand years, and. Uh, look, the same problem of idolatry is still in the text and still yes. needing to be addressed by these uh, biblical writers. And so um, we are going to see so much. Hey, you're listening to Walk in Truth Radio. Um, we are currently sitting in the studio. My name is Shane. I'm one of the pastors here at Living Truth and a part of the Walk in Truth team. And I'm sitting here with Pastor Michael Lance, who you hear teaching through these books. We've just started a new book. Um, we are in the book of Philippians now, and we are currently just kind of giving you a backdrop for the book, what it's about, and a little bit of context before we begin this study. You know, as we continue to discuss the book of Philippians, um, you know, we kind of talked about um, how we landed here. Uh, if we were to ask the question, what prompted you to start teaching this book at Living Truth specifically? Um, because as you may or may not know, if you're a listener on the podcast or a radio program, um, more often than not, you are walking through the teachings that the church here is walking through as well. And so um, there's so many, I think I could think of a lot of answers for this question, but maybe some specific reasons why we decided Philippians would be a great book. I know we kind of said that Isaiah was a heavier book. Yes. We wanted to go to a more joyful book, but maybe some other key things that Philippians is great for, for where our culture is at right now. Yeah. Well, we were teaching through Exodus on Sunday mornings and we kind of shifted that over to Wednesday nights and it was getting very heavy and we we're getting into, you know, the law and Sinai and stuff like that. So that, that could have been part of the motivation is to, to do an old and new Testament book. I think we've already touched on the things that people are going to benefit from in this book, right. which is really, you could say it this way, Shane, an attitude adjustment that, you know, we need to have the attitude of Christ. His humility is so beautiful. Think about who he is and how far he condescended and humbled himself to, to do what he did for us. That's an amazing example. So we need that right now. And, and of course, in, in a culture very much uh, swimming in idolatry, discontentment, anxiety, depression, this is a book of joy. And so we wanted people to know some of the key elements of finding joy again. You know, maybe you're listening right now and you would say, I have completely lost my joy. I believe Philippians will help you get your joy again. Right. Get your joy on. Get your joy back. So I think that's there. And if we were to ask the question, you know, if if I decided not to listen to the teaching in Philippians, what would I miss out on? Well, I would say a whole lot. Pastor Shane, I'll throw it back at you. You think about the book of Philippians. I know you've taught through it before as well. Yeah. What what would you say, man, you're, you're really going to miss out uh, on this, if you didn't listen to the Philippians teaching, what would you say? Yeah, you know, um, we 
we live in a time where if you are on social media, if you watch the news at all, if you're on, you know, I know this is social media, but if you're on Twitter or YouTube, whatever, um, it doesn't take long um, with somebody who's trying to hold a biblical worldview to feel discouraged, to feel overcome by where our culture is at right now. And um, I have really been encouraged by books like Philippians to just continue to stay the course, to be steadfast in Christ. And, you know, if you, if you look at where a lot of our culture is at, and I would love to say that I'm, I'm talking about just those outside the church, but unfortunately it's within the church and outside the church. Many, many, many people are overcome by fear and worry. Um, I can speak to this as a young father who my wife and I both in living in Southern California, we both have to work full time uh, to be able to put food on the table and provide for, you know, our daughter. And, um, these are, these are tough times. Um, we have a lot to be thankful for and I'm certainly not complaining or looking for, um, pity, but I am saying that, I can see the temptation in myself and in my wife and my peers to fall to being overcome by worry and concern for what's next. And so there's so much here from Paul to a group of people. And it's really humbling when you consider that Paul is writing from prison um, where he literally has nothing in his, if, if you know your Bible and the, this time in history, Paul is not receiving like daily meals from the prison. Right. He, he is completely dependent on people outside of prison to bring him food and That's clothing. Right. And so it really puts things in perspective and says, it says to me, man, I have a lot to be thankful for. And I need to cast all my cares, as Paul also says, on the Lord. And one of the things that's going to emerge in this book, Pastor Shane, is that God uses suffering. In fact, uh, Paul will talk about that we have the privilege to suffer for Christ at the end of chapter one. And he will say that my circumstances, my suffering, has turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, which is so foreign to us, right? We, we, We want smooth sailing. We want, you know, calm waters. But Paul's going to talk about how God uses suffering as a privilege and to extend the gospel to others. And of course, the picture of suffering in the Philippian jail is a perfect image. You know, they're being beaten, they're in stocks, and what are they doing? Singing Singing hymns at midnight. And what happened? The other prisoners heard it. The Philippian jailer was shocked by their response to the the suffering and, and the opportunity to go free after the prison doors opened. And uh, the book does teach us about how to deal with suffering, which, you know, isn't a popular topic among, let's say, word faith teachers. Right. You know, they don't want really want to talk about this, but the Lord uses suffering. And Paul will even say it's a privilege to suffer. It's been granted to you for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for him. Right. I mean, that's so foreign to us. And yet it's a biblical concept. And God even uses that. Paul will say, I want to know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Yeah, we love the first part of that verse. But, yes. you know, and it is the call, the the direct call from Christ is to take up our cross. Yes. And we don't like that idea. You know, um, 
it's just true that when it comes to the areas that we struggle, our mental well-being and our circumstances can really dictate, you know, how we view things and it can affect even our view of God. And um, with depression and anxiety at an all-time high, I was having uh, coffee with a good friend uh, who's a pastor and church leader and um, just always has good insight. And he said something to me that I will never forget. He said uh, he struggles with um, mental illness and he struggles with depression and it's something that he's dealt with his whole life. And he told me, I will probably deal with it the rest of my life. And I'm willing to acknowledge that that will probably be something I have to walk through the rest of my life. I have to be on top of it, keep my focus on Christ. And he said something, though, as a worship leader, I was like, wow, that's that's uh, really just a great reminder. It's so simple yet so profound. And he said, Shane, when I am depressed, I'm not praising. And when I'm praising, I'm not depressed. Mm. And I I thought to myself, so what does that really whittle down to? Well, that really whittles down to this simple truth. When I am hyper-focused on myself and all of my issues. Now, let's look at Paul, who is writing from prison. And it would be very easy for this book, this letter to Philippians, to the Philippians, to the ch- church in Philippi, to be full of, oh, woe is me, uh, you know, pray for me because I'm in chains and my circumstances are so bad and I'm, I'm so overcome with fear and worry. And those would be reasonable things for Paul to say. It would be understandable. But instead, he spends the bulk of his time encouraging and reminding them that their joy and their ability to be content and everything that they need is found in Christ. And I see in us... In each one of us as human beings, we have to realize that when we take our eyes off of our immediate circumstances and the situations that we find ourselves in, and we say, I'm going to look to Christ, I'm going to find my satisfaction and my fulfillment and my joy and everything that I need in him. It, you know, We sing this old song in the church that when I turn my eyes upon Jesus, the things of the world grow strangely dim. Yes. And it's true. That principle is the same yesterday, today, and forever because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That when I stop looking so much at myself, you know, we're typically pretty disappointing people. Um, I don't know about you, but I have disappointed a lot of people. I've been disappointed by a lot of people. Yes. People are generally pretty disappointing. Um, but I hope God, you didn't say that when you looked in the mirror this right? morning. Right? But uh, God is never failing. He never disappoints. Yes. We sing a song, you're never going to let me down. And there is true theology in that statement that he is the same God. And so if I am to take my anxiety and my depression and the things that are overcoming me and instead turn my focus, not on those things, but to Christ, Mm -hmm. I begin to find freedom. Pastor Shane, uh, I I hear somebody think, somebody may be thinking to themselves saying in their heart, well, that, that sounds easy, but my my immediate future and long term doesn't look that promising. So what do I do now? Well, one of the things that Paul does focus on is the finish line. He said, I'm stre- I'm pressing on. We did a, a message in Philippians 3. Uh, I'm forgetting what is behind me. I'm stretching out towards the finish line. And there is no doubt that Paul's talking about the resurrection. He's talking about the the future, the uh, when the perfect comes in 1 Corinthians 13. And my point is this. That if we want to get out of this bummer state, we got to we got to be thinking more about the finish line, more about heaven, more about the resurrection bodies we're going to get, and that's in Philippians three, 
where Paul says, I'm, I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm pressing. I'm stretching. I haven't attained it yet, but I know I'm going to be like him. He's going to resurrect me by the power that he has even to subdue all things to himself. Philippians 3, 20, 21. So my, my point in bringing that up, Pastor Shane, is that we got to think a little bit more about eternity, a little bit more about heaven. Right. And it puts things here in perspective when we're thinking about the finish line. This isn't all there is. We're going to get new bodies, new heavens, new earth. It's true. Uh, the Lord staked his whole reputation on it. And uh, so the resurrection, the hope of the future, you know, you, you may be facing a, a diagnosis right now that's terminal. Maybe you just lost a loved one. Maybe you're saying, yeah, you guys are talking about an epistle of joy, but I just got divorced or yeah, I lost my job. And the Apostle Paul, I think, could say, I can relate. I'm in a Roman prison. It's not where I want to be. But my eyes are on the prize. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to redeem this time as well. I'm going to witness to the guards or or do whatever I can in light of what's coming, which is the resurrection and everything being made new. Right. I've heard it said that for the believer in Christ, this world and this life is the worst it will get. Right. And so when you start to put eternity into your perspective on your problems, they start to shrink because in the light of his glory and grace, the things of the world grow strangely dim. And I, you know, I I think about those who are listening. um, We know that there are so many different things that you might be walking through right now. Our encouragement to you, our, our challenge to you is to lay all of those things at the feet of Christ. And also, this is a key thing to think about. We know the story of the Philippine jailer. Um, if you don't know the story, you're going to hear it taught. Um, but a quick summary of it is that Paul and Silas are, are in prison. They're in chains. They're in, um, from what we know, the way the stocks were in this. And I'm not talking about the stock market. I'm talking about the stocks that these guys are in, chained, in chains. It was probably extremely physically uncomfortable. Um, you no doubt know that there was doubts running through their head. They're in, they're in chains. They're human beings who are now like, okay, is God still with us? And through the doubt, see, maybe we view this story and we read about Paul and Silas in chains and we hear that they were singing praises in their in their lowest moments like this. And we think, well, you know what? That's great that the Apostle Paul and Silas were able to sing in their chains. I'm just not that spiritual. Remember, friend, that these are men who were battling thoughts of doubt. Is God still with us? Has he forsaken us? Uh, I don't know. But the key is that through the doubt and through the struggles and through those thoughts, they chose to continue to praise, whether the deliverance came or not. We don't know if when Paul and Silas were singing, they knew that the walls were about to come crashing down. They just sang because they believed that God was going to be with them, and they praised through the low moments. And here's the key. This is so so important. They had no idea that a man and his entire family would come to know the Lord through their singing that night. God works a miracle. Walls come crashing down. The Philippian jailer, knowing that he's doomed because he's, he's gonna, they're going to escape, is going to take his own life. And Paul says, no, don't do that. And he says, look, what do I need to do to be saved? And they say, just, just confess the Lord Jesus and be baptized, you and your household, and you guys will be saved. And it's this beautiful story where God is redeeming even people outside of their circumstance who are looking on. And so here's my point in what I'm saying. You might be walking through something that's extremely difficult right now. Like Pastor Michael said, it could be a cancer diagnosis. It could be um, marital issues, um, issues with family relationships, work, finances, whatever. 
there are people who are watching you as a professing Christian, and they want to see what makes you different. You've been called as holy. That means set apart. That means that when you go through these things, you can look different than the world. The scripture says that you can have a peace that surpasses understanding in your circumstances. So the the world is looking at believers and saying, okay, when that diagnosis comes, when that um, reality of being unemployed comes, when, when the finances are falling short for the cost of living. If you live in Southern California, you can feel this one right now with inflation. I think our whole country can feel this one right now. We're paying 6 to $8 a gallon for gas. And some of us are wondering where our next meal might even come from. You might be listening in that spot. People are watching to see how you as a child of God are going to handle this. And just like Paul and Silas, they praise through the low moments and people are saved because of it, because the glory of God is put on display when we praise through even our, our worst circumstances. And I like what you said. They they made a choice to praise. Have this attitude in you, right. which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, Pastor Shane, we're running out of time. This is Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance with Pastor Shane Lance. And uh, we're setting up a teaching coming in the book of Philippians, Pastor Shane. And we're excited. You can obviously tell there's so much richness in this book of Philippians. The very first teaching, it has the title, He Who Began a Good Work in You Will Complete It to the Day of Christ, all the way to that finish line. And our prayer uh, as this book goes out on the radio waves, and I would ask you as a believer, if you're part of our core family, maybe one uh, maybe one of the supporters, uh, prayerfully, financially, of Walk in Truth, This would be a great book for you to tell friends about, but please be praying that the Lord would do a wonderful work through the book of Philippians. We know he's going to, but we can always pray that the Lord does just amazing things. We've heard stories of people, you know, stumbling on the radio station and hearing exactly what they needed to hear, rededicating their lives, finding strength for today. So many beautiful things. And I, and I want to say to our partners, um, thank you. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for the monthly gifts that you send, the one-time gifts. The We covet your prayers deeply. Uh, we just got an incredibly encouraging note from a listener locally. Uh, can't really come to our church. It's a little too far away, but said how much they appreciate uh, the teaching and the heart behind the ministry. And we're just grateful for the privilege. That's what we want to say. And we pray that the Lord will take it everywhere he wants it to go in Jesus' name. So, Pastor Shane, I'm going to give you the last word here as we uh, wrap it up for today. Yeah, we just want to thank you guys for listening. We are excited to get into the book of Philippians. Uh, Tomorrow on the program, you're going to hear our first message from Pastor Michael in Philippians. It's going to be Philippians chapter 1, the first six verses. And the message is entitled, He Who Began a Good Work in You. And, you know, this message is all about being encouraged to know that Christ is still working and he is faithful, he is sovereign, and so uh, we hope that you will join us for that first teaching. We are looking forward to it, you being edified and built up in the Word of God. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. I'm Pastor Shane Lance with Pastor Michael Lance, and we encourage you guys to listen to this series with us as we go through the book of Philippians. We'll see you tomorrow. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to our new mini-sodes called A Step Closer. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station. How long have you been listening? Could you help us pay for some airtime on this station? 
Help us continue in this ministry by a monthly partnership of at least $5 a month. And that's all we ask. That's like the price of a cup of coffee. Unless you get that, like, really fancy stuff. But anyway, if you're blessed by...